Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, once again, <laughs> uh, I we have to start the show by <laughs> talking about the fact apologizing <laughs> by apologizing by talking about how long it's been since our last episode. This time. It was my fault. I got sick and uh, I broke my computer. <laughs> and that combination of things took a while to get settled. And then we, of course, had to reschedule things afterwards. But it doesn't matter. Mm. Look, in the grand scheme, I like to think of it, it being not 2019, uh, but being 20 years in the future and people are going through our history. To them, it won't be a month in between episodes. It'll be just immediately they'll finish one and start the next. Don't you think? Exactly. Because why wouldn't you want to marathon this horseshit? Oh, my God. I... I just got really depressed thinking of it being 20 years in the future and we're still doing this show. <laughs> well, if, it, if it's any consolation, Mo, we'll only be 10 episodes down the line. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, we are back. It is No Budget Nightmares, the podcast where we focus on ultra low budget and micro budget cinema, Mo. Uh, and the last episode, who knows what that was? It was so long ago. It's hard to even think about. I legitimately do not recall what the last episode it might have was. Been the, it might have been our Pantheon Black episode, which is kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's kind of sad to think about. But what's not sad to think about is the movie that we're going to talk about today, Mo. You know, it's been a while. It feels like it's been a while since we've watched... It's been a while. It's been a while since uh, we watched the film from kind of the glory days, the heyday of shot on video cinema, which is why I really wanted to pick uh, this particular movie because I had seen it on a sizzle reel. (laughs) 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 Of of shot on video movies uh, and the movies that were in this reel of shot on video movies were all ones that we've covered. Uh, You know, a mixture of uh, J.R. Bookwalter, Todd Sheets. So why not cover 1991's The Zombie Army? Now, are we sure it's actually called the Zombie Army, or is it not? Or maybe it's just called Zombie Army. I'm glad that you brought that up, Mo, because on the IMDb, it's just called Zombie Army, but on the poster mm. and whatnot, it's all the Zombie Army. So it, it's you know what? Who knows? Could be either way. For the purpose of this, we'll go both ways, as as is our way. <laughs> as is our way. <laughs> uh, but the Zombie Army, Mo, from the year 1991, a zombie film. Um, Yay! You know, it's funny. I always think about the fact that there was this gap period, uh, really from, and, and I'm sure there are exceptions to this, listeners, so don't don't tear into me, but really from the remake of Night of the Living Dead in 1990, up until the remake of Dawn of the Dead in the, uh, was that like early 2000s, around that period? I think it was like 2002-ish. Yeah, yeah, so like the gap in between that 
it was hard going for fans of zombie movies. And that's funny because that's when I became, you know, that that was the height of my own fandom of like the George Romero movies and like right. and Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, which I know was nineteen ninety two, folks. But I'm just saying that there was a period where it was kind of slim pickings, and the people who were uh, keeping that torch going were shot on video filmmakers, guys like Todd Sheets, uh, guys like Todd Jason Falcon Cook, <laughs> who were out there making their low budget zombie movies. Mo and Zombie Army can uh, gleefully uh, join the pantheon of. Quality shot on video zombie movies from the early 1990s. I feel like the this particular movie is at least partially influenced by Return to the Living Dead, uh, though there isn't any kind of direct reference to it. At least the zombies right. kind of look Return <clears throat> to the Living Dead ish. Yeah, I mean, and there's a modicum of intelligence to them. <laughs> like they're not, you know, like they can talk. Uh, and even the tone of the movie is kind of – it's comedic, right? I mean it's kind of broadly comedic at times. It's kind of inconsistent in terms of what they want the humor level to be. But it's yeah. definitely meant to be funny first and scary second. And, you know, I appreciate that. Certainly that's kind of the the uh, direction that zombie movies would go after this anyway. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of – comedic zombie films mo what did you think of this movie i know we don't usually talk about this until the end of it but i don't really i haven't really i really want to get your take on it because this is a kind of for us a large time investment this is a full-length movie (laughs) i know right (laughs) and i you know i i I know that for you that can be a little trying and this isn't the kind of movie that you can just zoom through there's a lot of stuff that happens within it so i need to i don't know i I feel like the the last third of the film you can kind of zoom through <laughs> like I, I know that i didn't i didn't hit that uh that speed play button until you know at least like the 45 minute mark the recent controversy huh. about the fast forward button being added to netflix mo i think about you every time i hear people get very upset about this I'm like this is the mo button this is what they're adding to netflix yeah exactly they're like <laughs> no 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 this, <laughs> they're like no we know this guy wants to watch these movies on 1.5 speed so <laughs> now all they now all they need to do is add the entire filmography of Tachi to netflix and we're set right you know what well I, I see, that's the thing Todd, you know like i feel like like todd needs to have like his own stream service yeah sheets plus sheets plus I, hey you know what <laughs> i pay my hmm, Seven ninety nine a month for something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mo, I want to talk about Zombie Army a little bit before we actually dig into the plot. Uh, the fact <clears throat> that this is one of the few films that we've covered on No Budget Nightmares that was directed by a woman. <gasps> a woman. Woman. Whoa, man. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> man. Anyway, yes, a woman. Betty Stapleford is the director, the credited director of 1991's Zombie Army. And I have to be honest, Mo, uh, when I read that, I at first thought that it was likely a pseudonym for a male director. And that is probably uh, representative of a uh, unfortunate mindset of myself, but also the fact that we've seen that happen before. Uh, in well, we see, yeah, I was going to say, you know, th- there's there's a lot of directors. Usually you see it the other way around, though. You'll see a female director taking on a man's name. You know, That's like um, mm-hmm. uh, like most notoriously, uh, Doris Wishman uh, <laughs> being, you know, I, I, I don't know how many of her movies she was credited as Lou Silverman, but there were, <laughs> there were quite a few. And I'll, I also have to say that the name Betty Stapleford sounds kind of like a made up It name. sounds <laughs> fake. Yeah. Like, 
It sounds like Rusty Shackleford, you know. It, it absolutely does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting because this this became kind of a point of contention. Uh, now, we all love the website, BleedingSkull.com, uh, a, a website. And also now they released uh, a, a book and another book coming about 1990s shot on video cinema. They have called this, uh, Joseph Ziemba from uh, BleedingSkull.com have called Zombie Army, the greatest shot on video zombie movie of all time. Uh, have they not seen Plaga Zombie? I mean, come on. No, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but like when it comes to like shot on video, I mean, I I, I guess that yeah, Plaga Zombie counts, right? I mean, I guess it's digital video. Maybe they're making a exception. I, I mean, I guess if we're talking about shot on VHS era video zombie movie, I still think I would probably take Zombie mm. Rampage over this. Um, but yeah. but it's I mean look I, that's not not to take away from Zombie Army. Part of it is the intention behind it. In mm. this case, you know, we know that Todd Sheets loves zombie movies. The movies that he released in the early '90s were very much passion projects because of his love for the kind of movies that we love. Uh, while right. Zombie Army is very much a case of a like Vietnam veteran who's like, you know what? Let's make a movie that people will want to see and will make money for us, and it should have zombies in it. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I still never actually answered your question, though, about whether or not, like, what I actually felt about the movie. <laughs> well, I figure uh, that'll change as we talk about it anyway. <laughs> no, I, you know what? It's funny how often that has happened. But, but no, I think I think in this in this particular case, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think I thought it was a lot of fun. I, there's some really inventive gore and yeah. Uh, I, my my biggest issue with the film is the lack of a protagonist, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I think you just, you said it best. We were talking about this, um, on messenger on the other day. And you said like, there's, there, there there's no main characters yeah. except for the two bad guys. It's just a bunch of kind of no name schlubs who get turned into zombies. And, you know, and, and then, and we're, we're not even like, and then we get introduced to, to like some interesting characters yep. who like it would have been great to, if to have them fleshed out, but like they're either immediately turned into zombies or they're barely touched upon. Yeah, it's you know? it's a really strange. Um, the way that the plot unfolds is really strange because every once in a while, like you you, you suggested. Characters are introduced, and you're like, "Oh, these are the characters we're going to follow for the rest of the movie." And then they are right. dispatched of, or they are turned into zombies. And and then you're like, "Well, who else is it supposed to be?" And then more characters are introduced. So there's really nobody that you would call a main character in this movie outside of the yeah. villains. And we'll talk about them in just a second. But before we do that, Mo, I want to talk about just go back to Betty Stapleford for a second because this sure. is sort of a controversial subject. I don't know if you saw the controversy, Mo. Mo, have you heard about this controversy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I believe in ed- I believe in teaching the controversy. Yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I I didn't get a chance to to. Are you, I'm assuming you're talking about that article article you posted. Well, I, I, this is actually it is going to tie into this. So I was doing some research on the zombie army, and I pulled up an article from Delaware. Uh, from May 1991 about the making of this movie. And it's actually a terrific article because it, t- it answered a whole bunch of questions I had after finishing watching it. And one of the things that confirms is that Betty Stapleford was a real person. And there was some question of that. And the reason there was some question of it is because the producer or producers of this movie told Bleeding Skull that she didn't exist. 
And they, that was what they've been telling people, is that she does not exist, that she was kind of a pseudonym or a, for a collection of people. But as this article shows, uh, she was actually a drama teacher at the local high school, and a lot of her drama students play the soldiers in the movie. So this is very much a let's put on a show type thing for the, this group yeah. of people, right? Like the, the, the producer of the movie is a guy named John Kalinowski, and he really absolutely is the guy who put this whole thing together. He was in Vietnam. He was in the National Guard. He's obviously the guy who had the access to all the military vehicles that they used in the movie and the military costumes. And that's why they're, you can tell that whoever was involved with this has some sort of involvement with the military when you watch it. Right. And he's the guy. And he got everyone on board. And like he's kind of the creative force behind it. Uh, and when... Betty was uh, was contacted fairly recently. She said that that even though she's a credited director, it was very much a group effort. She wasn't ready to just say, oh, I was the one who took care of the whole thing. Right, right. But be that as it may, this is a female-led zombie movie from the year 1991, Mo, made in Delaware. Delaware, Mo! Have you ever been to Delaware? I mean, I've driven through it. What's it like, Mo? <clears throat> uh, highways? I don't know. Highways? That's, that's, all, that's all I saw of it. <laughs> Uh, there's one other element about this movie that's very interesting that you do not know about, Mo. I like how you just make that assumption. You, well, maybe. I mean, I mean, you're right, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your mind, Mo. I'm in your DNA. No, there's something about this movie that I did not know about, but I have read about since, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. But before we do that, let's talk about this movie, Mo. Zombie Army from the year 1991. It starts, at least our version of it starts, with the uh, classic uh, Video Outlaw logo at the beginning, which really does fill me with a lot of, of hope and comfort. Yes. And then we get, just to temper that hope and comfort, a death threat, mo- uh, mo- a, a uh, death threat written on the screen, starting with the words death threat. Yeah, that... Made me chuckle. I I didn't write down what it said, but it did it did make me laugh. Well, that well you know who did? <laughs> I, I yeah. Well, I always just assume you do. So <laughs> on the screen it says, "If you do copy this tape, we will creep into your room tonight, rip out your lungs, and eat your heart." Zombie Code Seventeen, sections five hundred one and five hundred six. Mo. Fantastic. That's followed by some more text on the screen that says. The following story is based upon an actual event. Specifics of the incident at Oak Valley remain classified. Mo, you just gave a groan to that. What? Why? Yeah. Why such a groan? Uh, I hate that shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know what you're saying. I absolutely do. <laughs> like it's so stupid. I mean, even back then it was stupid. Like, stop with the fucking based on actual events nonsense. I. I am just as bothered by that as you are, Mo. I have to be honest. This is uh, this is something that has made it difficult for me to enjoy the Conjuring movies. The fact that they mm. are advertised so heavily as being based on true events when it's obviously complete horseshit. So it's yeah. Well, that that's the fun. The fun thing about the Conjuring movies or any of those movies based on the bullshit of the Warrens, um, you know, is that I'm from Connecticut, as longtime listeners of the show know. <laughs> And, you know, which is also where the Warrens are from. So, like, I've been listening to this horse, to that horse shit for so fucking long, knowing full well that those two idiots are fucking quack jobs, you know? And it's like, like, so anytime I see anything saying it's based on actual events, like, I just want to gouge my goddamn eyes out because it's like, you look at like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and even that says based on actual events where like they took 
a couple of ideas of the, <laughs> you know, of the uh, the Ed Gain story and like decided, yeah, this is the Ed Gain story now. It's like, no, no. I mean, I can see why they do it. I mean, it, it, in other cases, not in the case of the it's, zombie army. It's tantalizing. Yeah, yeah I get And that, also just the I idea, like, it's like, I do think it adds a layer of of terror to certain horror movies where you think, oh, sure. you know, I'm watching something that could have happened or elements of this could have happened. But, right. uh, and and it, it's difficult because people like us, you and me, Mo, people who may be a little more skeptical, we of course immediately mm. do a little research on it and be like, that didn't happen. Are you kidding me, folks? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, j- you do the research. I usually just roll my, <laughs> I usually just roll my eyes and groan. Mo, like, Mo doesn't believe anything, shit. no matter what it is. <laughs> It's kind of true. Like I watch documentaries, and I'm like, I've got like the whole jar of salt next to me, so I could take it with those grains. Oh my you know? dear lord! <laughs> uh. Well, the movie proper starts with the classroom. Oh, Mo, am I back to school? Is that what's going on here? I didn't watch a movie, so I'd have to sit in a classroom. Yeah, I was waiting for Rodney Dangerfield to show up and do the triple lending. That's a reference to the film Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield, a film I'm Thank sure you. our listeners are intimately familiar with. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, this is a dead man's party. So. <laughs> and then Kurt Vonnegut walks into the... Anyway. <laughs> so uh, what we actually have is a, a number of students sitting down and watching a lecture, uh, Mo, from a bearded gentleman. Uh, and he's talking he's talking about uh, the the psychiatric aspects of the idiot savant, some sort of, or the psychological aspects, I should say. The psychological um, connections between idiot savant-ness, I guess you might say, and uh, a particular case where there was a serial killer um, that they are intimately aware of. Correct. So who is this guy? Who is this guy talking to us, uh, this uh, professor? Um... Yeah, they, they don't... Do they give a name? He doesn't give his name, does well, he? Well, we eventually know what his name is. I mean, is. We, we figure out... Yeah, his name's Jim. Um, and he's talking about himself. So we don't know that at the time, but yeah. So yeah. he's basically giving this life history about what he has gone through, including murdering his sister, I think by pushing her down a flight of stairs. And we get a quick shot of like a child pushing another child. <laughs> We, we get a shot of a child pushing a mannequin. Yeah, well, yes. what are you going to do? <laughs> no, Do what you're supposed to do. Actually kill a kid. Come on. Yeah, well, be that as it may. Uh, so we, we learn more, <laughs> uh, a little bit more about that. So just to give an idea of what old Jim sounds like, here's him talking about idiot savants. Many famous and infamous men and women of history showed these patterns of fixation and regression. In an asylum, these patterns indicate the idiot savant syndrome. But on the street, these people are just plain weird. <laughs> uh, you know, the, now, the best now, the, you, the best public speakers bring a little humor into it, Mo. Helps you engage oh, with yeah, the yeah. content. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm into the whole levity thing. Um, or brevity thing? I forget the word. No, it's anyway. levity that you're looking for. Brevity is Thank when you, you keep things short. And Brexity, <laughs> that's the... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll give this actor credit. Like, this speech that he gives at the beginning of the movie is fucking terrible, and he's clearly reading it off of his clipboard. But, um, well, not the whole thing, but most of it. Uh, but as the film goes and he gets crazier and crazier, he's a lot more oh, yeah. enjoyable to watch. It's funny. He, he's, he's still, he's a much better actor he, when he's playing crazy than when he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. But anyway, yeah. So, th- so this guy's Jim. Uh, he's telling the story, the story of this psycho kid, yada, yada, he killed his sister. He's committed. And then, um, I, I, and like they, and, but this is like the setup for the entire fucking movie yeah. though, because he, they talk about how, um, so his nickname is doc, I believe. Sure. You know, because he ended up, um, <laughs> he witnessed some lobotomies and he decided to do some himself. Yeah, he ended up doing some lobotomies himself and learned how to use the ECT machine so that he could give himself his own sessions. So that's the electric shock machines for people who don't know what that is. For people who, yeah, I'm sorry, for people not in the (laughs) behavioral health field. uh, It stands for electroconvulsive therapy. Thank you. Um, It's horrible and should never be done. Mm -hmm. But, you know. Uh, Though, Mo, you know, to play play devil's advocate, it does seem to be pretty effective in this particular movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for what for what he's going for. Sure. (laughs) It also mentions that he turned his violent uh, episodes towards toys, which does become sort of a theme throughout the rest of the movie. Yes. Well, it's important, Mo. I got to bring it up now because I'm going to have to bring it up later. (laughs) So. Dr. Miller is the guy who's with Jim, and he's brought Jim in to talk to this class, who at the time, we don't know for sure if they know that he is talking about himself or not. Uh, so he finishes his little speech. Uh, he, he, Dr. Miller says that it's time to go now. And what does he uh, react to that with, Mo? Oh, he goes nuts. Yeah, he loses his fucking He loses his uh, shit. shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's not happy about that. So guys in white coats who are there, like big security guards, they tackle Jim to the ground. And um, then Dr. Miller gives him a shot, and he says this. Take him to the electric shock room. I'll be there when he wakes up. Now, this actor who plays Dr. Miller, <laughs> he does not have a lot of dialogue in this movie for, for a good reason. Thank, uh, thank but goodness, it, yes. But he is old, so that helps. <laughs> Gives him some gravitas, Mo. We're all getting more gravitasy as we get a little older. Yeah, well, you know, uh, never mind. it's going to make such a bad joke. And like, I'm so glad it failed. I'm just going to shut up. So a little bit later, Jim, he's reading in his room, starts to kind of rock and freak out, hit his head against the wall. Um, and then he lights an army man on fire and watches it melt. So these little green army men that I don't know if kids still play with those. Probably not. I doubt it. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. But when I was a kid, that it was like a very common toy to have. Um, these are going to be kind of the sign, like a representative of Jim throughout the rest of the movie. So a woman knocks on Jim's door. I guess the patients just wander free in this psychiatric ward. Um and he answers the door, the door, and she says, my dolly's broken. This is a full-grown woman now. Uh, and he says, I can fix it. And then what happens, Mo? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, so one of the, uh, I don't know if it's a doctor or one of the people working in the facility, uh, sure. say that they smell something burning, obviously, because Jim had just been setting fire to uh, little green army men. And mm-hmm. so they uh, they make their way into the room where Jim is. And, of course, he's, you know, fucking her. Yes. Uh, which is weird. Which is a little weird. Uncomfortable. It's, yeah, uncomfortable is a better word, honestly. <laughs> Though the nurse's reaction to it is hilarious. She says, sick motherfucker, what are you doing? Taking her temperature? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still wrong. Don't get me wrong, but right. it, that's a pretty funny line. 
Uh, they grab him. He resists, and uh, the doctor says, "Take these two to rehab." And um, we don't know what that rehab is going to be, Mo. But what does it end up being? Uh, they stick him in a tiny little room. Yeah, it's like a tiny. I think it's a basement. The reason I think that is that a little bit later we see them looking up a flight of stairs from down there. So I guess it's a basement, though they never really uh, define that. Yeah. Yeah, Mo. <laughs> but there's also something interesting about the room in which the basement uh, that leads to the basement, in that it has a nuclear symbol on the wall. Do you think that's supposed to be representative of anything? I have no idea. I don't know either, but they do show it. Uh, I wonder if that's supposed to be connected in some way. Because uh, the fact is, what's going to happen in this movie, and I did not realize it at the time that I was watching it for the first time, um, is that eventually Jim is going to be making zombies. And he's going to make zombies using that electric shock machine. But why does that make zombies, Mo? I, I I honestly don't know. I mean, maybe it's like a Dr. Frankenstein thing, you know, where he uses the electricity to bring the dead back to life. Because that seems to be the big case is that, like, they have to be dead first for, for right. him to bring him back. But even at that, it still doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, we'll get to it not making sense in just a exactly. moment. But before we do that, old Dr. Miller, he runs to the orderlies who have just put um, Jim and this woman in the basement. Now, Mo, do you know what this woman's name is? Mary. Mary. So Jim and Mary, they're in the basement. Two orderlies have just put them in. Dr. Miller runs over, and he says this. Boys, I need your help. The words just come down from the administration. <laughs> They're going to be closing this place down. We have to move all the patients to the new facilities in the mountains. Come on. To the That's new- the end of Dr. Miller's role in this film. <laughs> to, the new, to the new facilities in the mountains. In the mountains, of course. The mountains of Delaware. Yeah. Um, so that then leads into the opening credits, Mo. So this is all set up. And I have to admit, we're about like eight minutes in the movie. I'm like, where are the zombies? Bring up the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I was shouting at the screen, Mo. Yeah, I was wondering myself, like what, like how they were going to bring about fucking zombies. It's a, it's a while. Yeah, yeah. It does take, but I, look, it, it'll pay off. Ladies and gentlemen, it'll pay off. Just just hold your horses. Yeah, you just have to we put up get with a op- lot of bullshit before then, but yeah. The opening credits are from Cheapskate Productions Incorporated, Mo. It says, he who dares wins. Uh-huh. The Zombie Army, a uh, very impressive computer effect of the title Breaking Apart, and it says, directed by Betty Stapleford. And I have a, uh, a note here, any relation to Judith Priest? Remember her, Mo? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I do. Then the movie itself starts... It says June 1989, Mo, on the screen. So that's that's where we are. <laughs> June 1989. Um, we see uh, army vehicles pass by. We see a slow zoom in on this asylum. And it says on the screen, United States Army takes possession of the former Oak Valley Insane Asylum. And these, so this movie uses real, what appears to be, real army vehicles. I mean... Hey, you got access to them. It's that's like it's built in production value. You might as well. Hey, you know what? If Michael Bay can do it, how come uh, Betty uh, Shackelford can't? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 um, this uh, this movie is kind of interesting in terms of the knowledge that the producer was a Vietnam veteran and National Guard member. In that, ostensibly, it's a very pro army movie. Um, but all the army people that we encounter are completely incompetent all the way throughout, except for maybe like one person. Yeah. yeah it, what, 
it's what's amazing to me is how like all of the nameless grunts, mm-hmm. like the ones who w- will eventually become zombies. Like what what's amazing to me is that they're all scumbags. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and will like fuck off and and like like lays around at the first opportunity. Yeah, I mean, or worse yet, will actively search for drugs. <laughs> Yeah, with the intention of just using whatever drugs they find in an abandoned, uh, insane asylum. Yeah, and it's and it's it's a running theme too. At least until the zombies finally show up, it is them like it starts off with these two idiots, and boy are they idiots. Well, we'll get to them in just a second. First, let's just set it up. So the army oh, yes. is here. They they've purchased this insane insane asylum, and what we start with is is uh, major being shown around by. Um, or sorry, a general being shown around by a major who's basically trying to sell him on the idea that this could be a great training facility. Right. And the best part about it is that they only have keys to one set of doors. That's right. So if they they want to get anywhere else, they have to take these underground tunnels, which are clearly not underground tunnels. No, but whatever. They're just hallways. Yeah, they're just 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 science crazed esque hallways that are (laughs) probably just like two hallways turning the camera. (laughs) But uh, to to their credit, they do have a lot of rooms that they have access to. So they make it look if or or at least feel a little bit expansive when you're watching it. Right. So they're 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 following around these um under underground quote unquote tunnels. (laughs) They they do find a room that has a playpen in it, which Yes. I found which is actually probably the most disturbing thing I found of this movie is why this insane asylum has a playpen in it. And they find a teddy bear in there as well. Of course. So when we say they, these are two of the soldiers who are going along on this tour. They're just kind of looking in random rooms and, and shooting the shit as they do it. And so they, they find this bear and this happens. Are you hungry? How can you tell a baby's crazy? Kill mommy, kill mommy. Daddy, daddy. <laughs> <Soul is> family. <laughs> so these winners, <laughs> just to explain what's happening here, the 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 teddy bear that one of them picks up is kind of like a Teddy Ruxpin, or it, basically it repeats back anything you say to it, which is why he say it says like, um, "How can you tell a baby's crazy?" And then you hear it go. Said right back to him again. Yeah. And then the other guy, he picks up like a toy chainsaw and says the size family <laughs> tries to attack the other guy comically with it. Well, you know, it's based on actual events. So, I mean, I I mocked the fact that the person who made this had no intention necessarily of making a quality horror movie. But you don't really make a reference to the size family unless you know something about horror movies. I frankly. My suggestion would be to not ever make a reference to the Saw's family, but okay. Why, Mo? Why? Well, look. What? It's such a trope. In... They, they didn't name him Corporal Hooper or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they, might as, they might as well have, honestly. By the way, on that topic, Mo, uh, they, they recently uh, rebooted the Are You Afraid of the Dark franchise. Yeah. And uh, they do, in that movie, do that thing that we keep talking about in this, in that most of the main characters all have last names that are based on famous horror movie directors. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
I think there's actually a Fulci in there. So that's we're moving up in the world. Did uh, it, I'm I'm trying to I I, I want to look up the credits and see if Todd Sheets had anything to do with that movie. <laughs> and halfway through the first episode, someone says, "This is like we're in a cheap TV show." <laughs> So these uh, soldiers go into another room. They find an inflatable party dinosaur. They also find a very cheap-looking lightsaber. And one guy goes, may the force be with you. Which, who knew that that would still be a reference that everyone understood in 2019. Yeah, right. Um, They go into a room with a lot of disturbing art on the walls. um, And they talk about how they they ended up shutting this whole place down because it was cheaper to move the patients to the mountains and have them sleep. Oh no, what I think the suggestion is that a lot of the patients were just released. They said it was cheaper to have the patients sleeping on heating grates rather than nice warm rooms, which is kind of a condemnation of how we treat people with psychological issues uh, in the United States of America. Is 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 that uh is that what they were talking about because honestly like my notes just say the audio is so echoey here that I really It's I pretty rough. could not understand what they were saying. Yeah. All and- I know is that these two idiots I hate them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's, they're such repugnant human beings that like, I, I just fucking hate them. Um, and I, although it, I do recall while watching this, wondering how much of their dialogue, like just them shooting the shit is like ad scripted. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me like it was all scripted if only because if it was ad libbed, it would be a little more natural seeming. Yeah, I guess. So, just okay. So they go through a few more rooms or whatever. They leave because it, the, the the tour or whatever it is is over. The general asks, "How long is it until they can take uh, ownership of the site?" And the the other guy says, "It's yours as soon as you want, sir." And the captain says that he can have a unit there in the morning. So they the the two guys who were just looking around they take off. They have a little conversation about the serial killer Gary Gilmore before they leave. Do you, <laughs> did you do you remember this mo? I I remember there is a scene. Um, here where I, I I wasn't really paying that much attention to what they were actually talking about because why I'm, would you? <laughs> be, because I was so busy laughing about the fact that there was a guy getting into one of the vans in the background and he bumps his head and it <laughs> and it made me fucking laugh so hard because like I did not give a shit what any of these fucking idiots were saying all I know is there was some idiot in the background who bumps his head getting into the fucking jeeper van or whatever it was and it just made me fucking laugh so none of it really matters all that really matters is that They've decided to go ahead and move these army guys into this insane asylum. Right. So the next day we see a bunch of soldiers marching outside the facility in what appear to be like real, probably real National Guard uniforms, we would say. Yeah. Uh, and then we see uh, as as a group of soldiers are like like bringing things into the building, two of them decide that it's time to take a break. Or actually they're told that they can take a break. Now these two, Mo, and I have their names, it's Martinez and Bell. Mm-hmm. And they sneak off, Mo. What do they sneak off to do? <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the thing. Uh-huh. So they have everybody fall in and they and they, they're <laughs> they're doing all this talking and then they immediately take a break. And what cracks me up is any fucking time a break is called in this movie, because it happens several times, the first thing the guy says is smoke them if you got them. You know, or like, you know, feel free to have a, have a cigarette. But in this particular one, it made me laugh because he said, let's take 15, expect 10. 
Yeah. You know, or... Which is probably... Almost certainly is actually a real thing that people say in the military. Sure. Not that I would know. Sure. But then the next half hour of the movie goes by <laughs> of these two fucking idiots, you know, looking... Talking about... Uh, so they they run off and they're... Are you upset, Mo, because your taxes pay their salary? I, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, back in 1989 or, you know, 1990, my I wasn't paying taxes, but, you know... Uh, yeah, so they go off and they they light up a joint and they're smoking yeah. it and they're they're fucking mm-hmm. like complaining about the fact that like they don't have access to more weed. Well, they basically are complaining about the fact that that they've been moved into this very boring city, right, or boring town, and that they don't they can't even get weed here. In fact, they start talking about the possibility of <laughs> planting it there. <laughs> Uh, which I mean, they they seem pretty convinced that that's something they could do. They have a little talk about what the psychiatric uh, place used to be, and they say this: I think it used to be some kind of fucking nut house or something. Keep people like Freddie and Jason. Ugh. I bet they pumped a lot of good drugs into those crazy people. Man, I bet you're right. I wonder where they kept them. I wonder if they got any left. Oh shit, Mo! Just like you said, that is where their minds went first. This is was a place where they kept people like Freddie and Jason, which again I heard you openly <laughs> groan at. <laughs> I audibly groaned, yes. And then they think, I wonder if there might be leftover drugs that we can find. <laughs> we might just disappear for as long as it takes to find that. In fact, that's what they decide to do. They're I- gonna break into basically the building and look around because there could be drugs there. I have a love-hate thing with what happens next. <laughs> you know, like it actually made me laugh, but like I was rolling my eyes and groaning the entire time. So they go, they, they're checking into another building and they're literally shouting, drugs, come to Papa. <laughs> like, and it's like, it's not like they're just saying it once. They're repeatedly saying it. Oh my god, it's so stupid, but kind of fucking brilliant at the same time. Like, like I thought guys, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty funny in a very grown-worthy way. But yeah, they they're so they're searching around other buildings trying to find. Drugs. I do like, by the way, Mo. Just, just just to interrupt, one of them finds like a um like an ar- like a hat that a general would wear, and he and he puts it on his head. He goes, "Check it out, I'm a fucking general now." <laughs> 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 so uh, they eventually end up in the room where um, Jim and Mary, that's her name, were thrown into the basement, let's say. Yep. And they find what looks like pills on the floor. And uh, they opened up the the closet or whatever that led into the basement. And immediately one of the soldiers just vomits all over the floor. Well, I think they see like a dead rat. Yeah, one of them says that it yeah. looks like an aborted fetus, but it's it is just a dead rat on the floor. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, These guys are fucking military, and a dead rat is enough to make him throw up. Yeah, I mean, these guys obviously didn't go to Nam. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the producer of this movie. Right? <laughs> um, maybe it's only minorities when they see them killed. That's that's okay. Wow. But, uh, little political commentary yeah, here right? on the No Budget Nightmares Jesus. podcast. So. Uh, Jim and um, Mary, they're sitting in the dark, and suddenly he goes, smell, smell. And she goes, what smell? He goes, fresh air. The door is open. And her reaction to that is, my dolly. 
<laughs> Remember, these two had sex not too long ago. Um, they crawl out of the basement or whatever it is. And I have to say, Mo, at this point in the movie, I was very much like, I thought they were going to be zombies. Like, I thought they were going to somehow... I was 100% certain that those two were going to be the start of the zombies. Yeah, right? Because, like, with the nuclear uh, symbol there, maybe they got, like, irradiated or something. Right. But no, that's that's not what happens at all. Not at they were all. just waiting in the dark, eating rats for however long it was. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. How fucking long were they in this room? I mean, obviously, they show the rat to show that they had some kind of sustenance. But, I mean, fuck, they were in there for a long time. So... We see more soldiers marching outside, and it shows uh, Jim and Mary up in the window upstairs. So they're they're obviously in the building. They're free. Um, and then it cuts to pitch black darkness, Mo. <laughs> yep. And this whole sequence is basically, I think it's supposed to be the same soldiers as before. It is. Though that's a little hard to tell. It's Bella Martinez. It is. And they're on some sort of duty in a graveyard. Where they're just like marching around a graveyard for some reason. And making really fucking tasteless jokes. Um, well, they, they sit down. They start eating their MREs and have cheese and crackers. Anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. The important thing is that later they are given some time off and they go to a restaurant. And in this – or a bar, I should say. Yeah. It's some sort of bar restaurant thing. And there's a passed out woman on uh, the bar itself. And Martinez or Bell, one of them, decide that they're going to harass her. Um I will say it's light harassment considering what they could have been doing. Sure. But certainly they were being assholes. Yeah. One of, they just try to hit on her. But <laughs> but the reaction of the bartender here. <laughs> we gotta clarify. Like we're gonna we're okay. gonna we're gonna play for you what he what he says. But this is really weird. <laughs> but he's fucking laughing the entire time he's saying this line. Which makes me think that this is all supposed to be a joke. So they are just sitting at the bar. There is a passed out woman there. And the guy's just kind of like, hey, maybe we'll go on a date with me. That sort of shit, right? Or do you want me to buy you a drink? But they're just, you know, they're, they're goofing around like assholes, but just goofing around. And the bartender responds like this. She likes me, man. You're going to have to find a whole lot more beer than that for her like you. No, oh, I think these guys have enough. You're a little too ratty for this place. I want you out of here. Can we, get, can we get six more go? One more six pack and that's it. Right. Then you're out of here. Sounds good to me. So just to explain what's happening there. You heard a little bit of their horseplay. And then the guy's like, you guys have had enough. You're a bit too rowdy for this place. I want you out of here. And their response is, well, can we get a six pack for the road? And he gives them one. Yeah, he gives them a six pack. And he, and he says to them, and one of the douchebags, says as he's walking out he goes all right so i'll be back here tomorrow i'll I'll see i'll see you back here again tomorrow and the the bartender's like he's like no you're not coming back here tomorrow it's okay we'll see you tomorrow you know yeah that's right so i guess the idea is that it's supposed to be like a playful relationship but it is really bizarre they've been here for a day how how are they how do they already have a playful relationship with the fucking bartender So they go outside and they drink beers and they throw the cans on the, on the road, which is very not uh, good for the environment, which is a very important thing. We all have to live on this planet. There's no Earth 2 mode. <laughs> there is no planet more. B. That's right. So uh, they have a little conversation about what's on the late show. The other one says some zombie movie. And he goes, I don't want to watch some zombie movie. And he goes, if you don't want to watch some stupid zombie movie, what do you want to do? And he wants to get high, Mo. And the best way to get high is to go back to the asylum and look for drugs once again. <laughs> oh, my God. And then one of them makes just the fucking worst joke. 
ever. They, like I, I, it's it's apropos of nothing, honestly. <laughs> you know, he just says, "I was a Cub Scout until they caught until I got caught eating brownies." <laughs> I mean, it's your level of humor, Mo. I would say. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but still, you know. <laughs> um. So they go back. Uh, they go back to the psych ward. Um, th- again, throwing they're still drinking their beer and just throwing the cans all over the place. So they go into a room, the room that I guess used to have the electroshock machine, and they say it looks like a place where they used to torture the crazies. Again, not a lot of respect for the mentally ill here. In this my movie. Uh, my note my notes here literally say they banter and goof off as they search for drugs. Who cares what the fuck they're saying? Yeah, well, that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. So one of them uh, opens the door to a room, and Jim is right there. Jim, the crazy lunatic. Maybe <laughs> me using those words is also never respectful <laughs> for people with <laughs> mental illness. <laughs> Jim immediately grabs him and breaks his neck. Yep. But the other soldier, who's just kind of rooting around, he doesn't notice. So he continues to look around. Then he starts looking for his friend and uh, opens the door to the same room. Jim then beats him with a pipe until he's dead. I applauded. Yeah. These guys deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, and then Jim takes out a notepad, and he takes down some notes. The idea is that he is out of his fucking mind, but he thinks he's some sort of doctor. So he takes notes on a little pad and stuff like that. Speaking of notes, mine here says, so much for their military training. (laughs) (laughs) So we then see Jim drag their corpses into another room while Mary watches on. She wants to do a lobotomy, but Jim says, no, we're going to give them shock therapy. To be totally honest, Mo, at this point, I didn't realize that both of them were dead. I thought one of them was just knocked unconscious with the pipe. But no, they're both dead at this point. Because it didn't make any sense to spend so much time in these characters just to kill them immediately. Yeah, seriously. They've been, like, the only characters we've been following for the last 15 minutes, you know, if not more. And the difficulty is because we've spent all that time with them. We, you know, we expect them to be a larger part of the rest of the movie, but I don't know which one is Belle and which one is Martinez. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know who's who. One of them is a regular through the rest of the movie, but yes. it, I still don't know which one it is. So they bring these bodies, one bo- both of them, into this room, puts kind of leans one up against the wall, and Jim gets the shock therapy machine at first, it won't plug in properly, like the power isn't going. So he strips the wire and just puts it. Well, directly it's the wrong. In. It's the wrong plug type. It's, yeah, it's, it's the wrong. Plug yeah, type, it's right. designed. It's 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 one of those. I don't know how how the plugs are in Canada. Oh come on, man! But uh, <laughs> but this isn't the UK. We have the same plugs here, Mo. But even like for the dryers, like those the the weird like three prong L shape. I think thing. so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, so anyway, it's, it's that type of plug. It's like a, it's a dryer type plug. Yeah. Uh, obviously designed for uh, a higher wattage output. Uh, yeah. but that's not where they are. So he, yeah. So he cuts the, the plug off of it and just ends up sticking the wire directly into the thing, which is not exactly how that shit works, but you know, I mean, whatever. Um, and well, then, in this case, it does work, or by by which I mean it works, but does not work as they want it to work. I, I, this is a great effect. This is terrific. So up to this point, we have not really seen much violence in this movie, really mm-hmm. at all, uh, and that is about to change. Starting with what happens when the electroshock therapy is applied to this dead soldier. But what happens? So 
we, we start hearing, you know, sizzling and frying noises. Um, as, and, and whichever douchebag there, they, they decide to do first, uh, he, he's sizzling, you know, but it's great though, because like the, the two Jim and Mary, they kind of take a run for it, you know? Right. Um, and this motherfucker's head just explodes. Yeah. It explodes. It is. It's a, a, it's a great effect. It looks fucking cool as shit. Um, and it's like super fun. Like it's it's one of the most fun head explosions I've ever seen. So this guy's head explodes. Um, and then they decide to bring the other soldier in and try it with a different voltage <laughs> to see if this will work instead. When they do that, by the way, we get a close-up of the exploded head of the other guy. It's, it is, again, it's a really fun effect, just yeah, like you said. super fun. So they light this other soldier up. And it's great because as they're, like, uh, applying the electricity, the camera keeps cutting away. And when it cuts back, like, a little bit more makeup has been applied. Mm. And he's becoming more zombified by it. And then he suddenly sits up and starts twitching and um and and starts blinking and Jim goes you're mine it works so his plan all along was to turn these soldiers into zombies using electricity i mean like i said it's very dr frankenstein they are a zombie army and in <laughs> fact they still act like army people because the the zombie stands up and salutes i mean if any if anything they act more like military <laughs> once they become zombies yeah. <laughs> so it's the next day uh they uh all the army people are standing together and marching and doing their shit but they're all just standing there and the sergeant asked the soldiers what happened to martinez and bell and that sounds like this does anybody know what happened to martinez and bell Good riddance. Apparently, they were not well loved amongst this squad, Mo. But you know, uh, no soldier left behind. They still need to go look for the fucking guys. This scene has one of my favorite moments in the entire fucking movie. So, Tell us about it. So, <laughs> it's such a subtle, stupid thing. Like, like almost like the guy bumping his head on the van. You know, just a little stupid sure. thing that makes me laugh. The Sarge in this scene is just some random fat guy. Like, he doesn't, yeah, yeah. you know, but, like, he starts to walk one direction and realizes <laughs> that, like, maybe that's not the way he should be walking. So he turns <laughs> and starts walking off in another direction. But, like, he's so, like, unsure of what he should be doing that it just, like, it's fucking hilarious. Like, I'm going to recommend this movie to people solely on the stuff that the tertiary characters do. <laughs> Be- well, I mean, frankly, every character is tertiary for the most part, except for Jim and Mary. That's true. That's true. I, you know, you could call the zombies the secondary characters, but every- yeah, yeah. but everybody else is just is just background noise, you know. But like just little moments like the dude bonking his head getting into the van or like this sergeant's reaction to life in general are just these <laughs> are just these little fucking moments that really bring a lot of like unintentional comedy to this movie it's fucking which again there is there is a lot of intentional comedy here but it's well. the Let's unintentional do. comedy that's the really fucking <laughs> funny shit so 
one of the soldiers volunteers to go look for Bella Martinez, and another guy gets voluntold to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they head into the building, just the two of them, just like how we had these other two, and they start looking around. One of them hits a creaky door. It sounds like this. Welcome to the inner sanctum. Don't scare me. Hey, if you're going to tie it along anyway, how come you didn't volunteer for this? Let me and Smith out of here. Where is Smith? I don't know. He must have gone back for chow. Must have gone back for chow. I wanted you to, to hear a little bit of the interplay there. Because at this point, I'm like waiting for the lead character to get introduced. And I think it's going to be one of these guys. Right. I was incorrect. Because they uh, start looking around, having little chats and stuff like that. They find a stain, like a blood stain on the, the floor. They start following it. And uh, even when they're doing that, by the way, a zombie soldier uh, opens the door behind them. But they don't see it yet. So they go into a room and they find the corpse with the exploded head, Mo. Mm. They react like this. God damn it, look at this! He's all fucked up! Shit! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's wrong with him, man? He's all fucked up, he's on some bad shit, man! <laughs> so, <laughs> they find the corpse... The zombie, like, he's like, he's all fucked up. And then the zombie comes in through the door and they see him. He goes, shit. And the zombie starts attacking him. And they probably, like, quite rightly, uh, suspect that the person is just on drugs, not is a (laughs) resurrected corpse. Right. So uh, the zombie attacks one of the soldiers. And then Jim comes in. I think he uses a bedpan to knock the other one on the head. I, I don't remember. But, yeah, something like that. The main thing is that the zombie eventually starts pulling the guts out of one of the guy's stomach and throws it at the wall, which is actually pretty fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Then he starts chewing on him. Um, And I I will say this, this zombie, like this one official zombie they have now, like, and you heard it in that clip. He makes some fucking cool noises. He's good. And honestly, his makeup effects are really good too. Yeah. I, I, I was really impressed actually with the makeup effects for the zombies all around in this movie. Yeah. So, soldiers are killed. <laughs> the zombie and Jim, they pick up the corpse. He has his he has intestines. guts wrapped around his neck. Around his neck. <laughs> and Jim goes, don't eat those. He needs them. <laughs> and they say, as is repeated throughout the rest of the movie, he needs therapy. So they drag the bodies into a room with the washing machine. <laughs> and he goes, this is the right plug, as you said, Mo. You're right. Both of the soldiers are put in. Like, this takes a really long time. There's a lot of filler in this particular part. Not as much filler as comes a little bit later, but we'll get to that. They zap one of the soldiers. He gets turned into a zombie. Um, and then he gets up. And then they get the other guy. But the best thing is that the first zombie talks to this new zombie. And they have this conversation. By the way, yes, the zombies can talk. <laughs> it sounds like this. You want that? So, in case you couldn't tell from those sounds, the guy says, you want guts? And the other zombie says, I want guts. So the first one vomits out a piece of intestine and then takes it and pushes it into his stomach. 
It's pretty terrific. I actually love that. I think it's really clever. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so now uh, two more soldiers have gone missing. Uh, the the a, a soldier, another one, comes out to the major and says that nobody can find the soldiers who've been sent out. They've sent out some squads and they've gone missing. The suggestion is that they keep sending out soldiers and they keep going missing. So the major goes, okay, we're going to search the whole building, starting at the top, working their way down. And, Mo, and this is very important, he says, tell my driver to get his sword, that sword of his. Yeah. That's important because in the next scene, one guy has a sword for some fucking reason. This is uh, this is America's army, by the way. <laughs> so uh, we then cut to a pile of soldiers, uh, and they're all being zombified one at a time. They're, uh, they're, they're literally being turned into a zombie army, uh, hence the name of this movie. I wish... Wish, okay, that the fucking sword guy would have been the main goddamn character. Right, in this movie shouldn't he have been the main character? But as we have already said, there will be no main characters. This thing that's happening, where people are sent off to find people and then are turned into zombies, that's like almost the entire rest of the fucking. Movie. I, I know, but just imagine, like he could have been the fucking Derek, you know. Like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the fucking bad taste yeah, Derek. absolutely. He could have been the Derek of this fucking movie. No. He's in one goddamn scene. He has a couple of cool attacks, and then we're never seen again. So, we see some soldiers, including the sword guy. They're walking down a hallway. Again, a favorite place of this movie. There's paper all over the floor, and one of the soldiers throws some paper into the air and the other guy says, what the hell do you think it is, Christmas? And he goes, sure, all the time. What does that mean, Mo? I don't know. <laughs> a ball bounces towards them, uh, perhaps a reference to the classic uh, spooky movie, The Changeling. And suddenly doors swing open and zombies come out and shock them, Mo. But, again, one of the soldiers has a sword and he cuts off the zombies. First he cuts up like a zombie's stomach and guts spill out. And then he slices his hand off. Um... And then, like the soldiers, all are being are fighting, um, fighting the zombies in in various connotations, in various combinations, I should say. Oh yeah, so so what happens is one of the soldiers he runs off, and he's telling these other soldiers that he runs into. He's like, something's turned them into monsters, and he goes, "What kind of monsters? Zombies." Then the zombie shows up. The zombies show up, I should say. He runs into another room and bars the door closed, and he can see those soldiers being eaten behind him by the zombies. Yeah, it's a pretty neat effect. It's all right. Yeah, That's pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. So he runs off again, this soldier, while uh, the zombies eat those other soldiers. And probably my favorite line delivery of the entire movie happens here. Jim goes into the room where all these uh, soldiers have been killed by the zombies. And he says this. These patients need therapy! <laughs> I gotta be honest Being part of this zombie crew seems like it'd be pretty great Yeah, I mean, like, obviously That's the role you would want to have In this movie <laughs> They only have one weakness, Mo And I guarantee you, listeners, that you won't be able To guess what the fuck it is <laughs> Yeah So, the captain who it doesn't matter like some superior guy in the army is sitting at a table across from a woman who is also a superior person in the army a colonel or a captain or something and he goes i need soldiers not your badass bimbos or whatever you call them 
And this woman is very taken aback. And she says, lethal ladies, Captain. It's an experiment. So she is the leader of a squad of female soldiers that she calls Mo, the lethal ladies. Who, again, I thought would end up being the main fucking character. It really seemed like they were going to be at this point. Like, fr- frankly, here's what should have happened. <clears throat> Not to rewrite the film or anything like that. But the first fucking five minutes should have been them establishing all the nonsense that happened in the first 30 minutes of this movie, you know, and then had the lethal lady show up and fucking kick ass for the rest of the movie. That's really what this movie should have been. Nope. So this is a uh, quote from that article I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. This is from uh, the producer of the movie. In the last couple of years, I've heard a lot of complaining about women being portrayed as just helpless bimbets in the movie. And I thought about that, and it ended up being that we changed the thrust of the movie. We created the experimental all-girl combat unit known as the Lethal Ladies who come in and try to wipe out the zombies. And the reporter who's writing this article follows this up with, Not so coincidentally, their presence in the action scenes leaves room for a few female soldiers getting their fatigue strategically ripped off by the groping hands of zombies. (laughs) Which is exactly what fucking happens. Yeah, yeah. So this is, yes, the all-female squad. uh, But before we get to them, a soldier runs into the room and uh, he says this. Name of the town, what's your problem? Sir, my men, sir. Sir, there's intruders in the compound. They killed Sergeant Vestman, part of his platoon, but sir. Damn it, Lieutenant, pull yourself together. Sir, you have to believe me, sir. There's there's hardly burned and wounded soldiers <laughs> in the compound. They're not human, sir. All right, Lieutenant, how many of your men are gone? Including Sergeant Vestman, sir, 18. That was some tremendous acting from this guy who... I mean, this is supposed to be the first real report to the higher-ups that the zombies are out there. And the guy does take him seriously... Uh, though at first he's a little bit skeptical about the whole thing. And we also learned that at this point, 44 people have gone missing. <laughs> yeah. So the captain or whoever says, okay, call in your lethal ladies, Mo. And then we get what I think we both would agree is the best part of the entire movie. Yup. What is it, Mo? What are we seeing here? Interesting, interesting fact. So you know how we said that there is a platoon of of men in, in this facility? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you know how many men are in a platoon? <laughs> how many? 44. Okay. So they're saying that the entire facility <laughs> has been turned into zombies at this point. Well, we know that there are... Well, I guess that's why they need to go outside to get these lethal ladies, Mo. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so the... Uh, the the So we, we, we end up getting a shot of... Well, several dozen shots of, you know, these squads getting ready. You know, they're readying up. And yeah, it's a gearing up montage. Yeah, they, yeah, it's a gearing up montage, which is... I mean, I love shit like this. I, sure. I'm such a fan of montages... Especially when it's like, you know, people are training or gearing, especially, oh, especially gearing up montage. It's yeah. the fucking mm-hmm. best. And this fucking song, my God, just, just play it, just play it for him. Just play it for him. All right, it's, let's play it's, it. It's, it's so the, good. We should mention like the music all the way through this. Uh, it was it's pretty good. Local, yeah. It's good. There, there's a whole bunch of really tongue in cheek songs. I mean, it's this no, one, it's no Anoki and Key, but what is? This is a song called Lethal Ladies. Let's have a little <laughs> listen. 
We're going to listen to the chorus, folks. But if you want to hear the whole thing, I'll put it at the end of the episode. Maybe we should cut it there. But I'm telling you, this song is amazing. <laughs> it, it, there's some fucking great lines in it. I mean, like, honestly, like that's that song alone should have propelled this into like teen sex romp fucking territory. Like as far as like music is concerned, we should say that the song itself, this one is by a band called Halo, a local band, I guess in Delaware when they were making this. And the other songs in the movie are by a band called the kill toys. Um, and, and all the songs I think are, are worthwhile, but that one is the one that will stick with you because they basically play the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They literally play the entire fucking song. It's amazing. And these women, by the way, are using a lot of real military equipment, including like an ATV crawly, like mini tank thing at one point. Um, and they all have like machine guns and, and grenades are being passed to them. So things are getting serious at this point. Yeah. Which is fucking hilarious since... Like, they don't do anything with, like, any of that stuff. It's... Yeah. Well, I mean... No, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, well, We're I guess... gonna have some fun. <laughs> so, two of the soldiers, they... Um, I think I think one of them is a male and one, and one of them is one of the lethal ladies. They get inside of a room. They're basically scoping out the entire building once again. They find a file cabinet... And uh, I like what she says. She, they're looking through the file cabinet and all the patients. And she says to the guy, hey, there's one with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, funny, funny. But they start reading through the files. And this is actually going to be somehow important for the rest of the movie. But we'll get back to it when the movie does. The important thing now, Mo, is the introduction of characters that I thought were going to be <laughs> the main characters in the movie. Because it doesn't make any sense. to it, Like, we're almost an hour in now. Yeah. And... We see, finally, we're like, we, we go outside this fucking building. We're on the street. There's a guy hitchhiking and a woman driving. She stops and picks him up. And he goes, she goes, where are you headed? He goes, I'm stationed by the old asylum. Um, and he ended up leaving to try, I guess, to win his girlfriend back. He says that, that you know, that, that she didn't want to come back with him. She's with some new guy. And uh, she basically hits on him very, very hard. Yeah, she's pretty direct. I mean, in the in the best possible way. Her name is Sheila. His name is Kevin. Again, he's an army guy. He's going back to... The and base. that's what made uh, me think that they were going to be the fucking main characters because they actually absolutely. named them. They they drive and she talks about how she's heard some spooky stories about the asylum, that they used to torture the patients. Uh, in fact, they t- tell she tells a story about a doctor who gives an 11-year-old strychnine and he dies. After, anyway, I don't know why any of this is in the movie. Right. But the most important thing is that she says that she's been in the tunnels underneath, that there's still power from the nuclear plant, and that the lights are all on, and she says that she would love to show him, and he says, let's go. So they arrive, Mo, (laughs) at an insane asylum. Yeah. And she stops, and she says, the tour begins here, and she undoes her shirt. 
and she shows her cleavage to him. And um, he makes some jokes about like seeing some points of interest. <laughs> but then she stops and is like, no, we got to do this first, right? This sort of thing. She does not show anything outside of uh, some cleavage at this point. I'm like, okay, I understand what's going on. This movie is not going to serve up the goods, so to speak. <laughs> Except it absolutely does. Oh, boy, does in, it. Yes. In ways I was not expecting <laughs> when it finally occurs. But like this, there's like a few hints now in the next little bit that maybe she is like, she's like evil or she's the one trying to lure people in. But that is not what's happening. She is just kind of a really cool gothy chick who likes walking around insane asylums and really wants to have sex with this soldier guy. Yeah. It's like his lucky day while also being both of their most unluckiest days. (laughs) As we'll find out in just a little bit. So that happens. And I, again, I was 100% convinced they were going to be the main characters. Yeah. The lethal ladies, they're still wandering the halls. Um, One wanders by a door and stands against it. And it has a paper window, Mo. And I'm like, that's weird. Windows are not normally made of paper. But then it made a lot more sense when zombies reach through the paper and grab her through and pull her through the window. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, it's actually pretty great. It's basically now a montage of zombies attacking soldiers. One bites a woman's throat. It actually looks really good. Uh, there's, I like a, that when, uh, there's a song playing in the background. This is like, you treat me like a monster. monster. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and this is also where we get some of the topless nudity that was mentioned in the article. Some of the lethal ladies get their tops ripped off. They also shoot with their guns, but it's really like lame sounding. Like It, just, it sounds like a toy gun, right. even though... In just a little bit, we'll see some guns being shot that seem, like, really cool and effective. And I found out from the article, that's because they were shooting live ammunition. Wow. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, One thing that we uh, also see is a woman's eyeballs are plucked out and eaten by the zombies. Yup. There is what I would say is the one nice shot in the entire movie where we see this, like, this backlit shot of all these zombies wandering through the hall. Actually looks really good. So this is when they head towards a squad of soldiers who shoot what seem to be and apparently are real machine guns. Uh, though when we see them shooting, it's not actually at these these guys in zombie makeup. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. Because the, the one thing we learn from this scene is that bullets do nothing. They do nothing. The zombies yeah. just keep coming no matter how many bullets you pour into them. One of the soldiers, he falls back and gets to like a military telephone and he calls up his superior and says this. So, things are escalating. Yeah, and, and I pondered at this point why Kevin and Sheila don't hear the gunfire. I mean, there's. Or how about all the zombies? I mean, on all the screaming. I mean, there's lots of stuff that they should have right at this point. Um, so remember those, there was the female soldier with the male soldier. They were reading the, uh, the files that they found. Yup. The female soldier finds a file on someone named Jim, the idiot savant, nicknamed Doc, and Mary, who's apparently a nymphomaniac, which I wasn't sure about up to this point. They're reading through these. She grabs the files and then some zombies come in. Um, I like that, that one of the zombies starts chasing her and she throws like 
files at him, then a drawer, and then a garbage can. It's like a cartoon. She just keeps throwing whatever she has. Yeah, well, you have to. You also have to remember that they're also playing like Ring Around the Damn Rosie with the fucking yeah, with the fucking table. table. It's hilarious. They're running around a table in a circle. Then she picks up something off the table, some sort of liquid, and throws it at the zombie, and he starts screaming. Yeah, I had no idea what the fuck it was supposed to be. How would anyone yeah. know what it was supposed to be? I thought it was a glass of water. I'm like, what is this, like War of the Worlds or or uh, a spoiler alert signs? <laughs> 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 Where water affects them for some reason? No, we will find out what it is in just a moment. But anyway, <clears throat> something hurt this zombie. She runs off with the files. She actually runs into a zombie uh, as she's running away who's like eating an arm. They tangle for a second. She smashes a bottle over the zombie's head, then picks up a shotgun and blows his head up. Yeah. It's pretty great, actually. It's another great head explosion. Not as good as the first one, but good all the same. She grabs a helmet and a machine gun and loads it. And then we go back to Sheila and Kevin, who are wandering the halls. They find, Mo a toy soldier on the floor. A toy soldier. Yes. <clears throat> representing Jim, who loved to play with toys. Oh. Um, then they start making out and grabbing each other's butts. <laughs> she grabs she, his dick. like she. Yeah, just, well, I mean, they're all over each other. <laughs> you know, and he says the fucking, like, I, I, I forget what line preceded it, but he said something like, like she said she felt like leftovers or something like that. And he goes, well, she says, she says, they she's like, I could, I, you should watch out. I could be one of the leftover crazies right. hiding out here. And he goes for leftovers. You look good enough to eat. <laughs> uh, so they start making out and I'm like, okay, you know, this is it. And then he takes her shirt off. Uh, and tosses it on the floor, which is awful. <laughs> and then he starts sucking on her nipples. I mean, this gets uh, a little bit more intense than I was expecting. Yeah, and the and the funny part is that like so this is a really weird sex scene, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I mean, they are in an insane asylum. <laughs> yeah, but the music that's playing in the background is so fucking weird for a sex scene. <laughs> like I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but it's it's fucking weird. And then she says to him, <laughs> she says to him. Into the room and off with your pants, soldier boy. <laughs> oh uh, when, when they go into the room, by the way, there is a visible boom mic, uh, which, I mean, look, I don't point that shit out usually, but this one was particularly visible for me. So soldiers, the remaining soldiers who are alive have all gotten together into a room. There's not that many left. The woman with the files, she's the only sergeant left, so she's kind of in command. She talks about what she has read in the files, which is that Two inmates disappeared before the place closed down, and she came up with a theory just from that, Mo, that they might still be there and might be turning people into zombies. <laughs> like, that's she worked that out just from finding these files and realizing that they weren't accounted for. Brilliant. She also explains, Mo, what it was she threw at that zombie. It was drain cleaner, Mo. Drain cleaner that was just sitting on some dude's desk. <laughs> Um, so the other soldiers, they want to get the fuck out of there, which I think is pretty reasonable, but she says that it's got to end here and now, and she wants to have some ideas, and one of these soldiers gives this idea. Sergeant, I say we burn the place down. Brilliant. Not only will it not confirm that we killed them, we're going to destroy the only evidence we have that'll save our asses. Besides, how are we going to control a fire with this? What kind of drain cleaner did you use, Sergeant? I don't know. Something strong, probably acid. Something strong, probably acid, Mo. Ugh. 
I think burning the place to the ground is like the best possible idea. I they was... have unstoppable army of zombies in there. Yeah, exactly. Just fucking burn them. I mean, it just, I mean, and like they're overwhelmed at every turn. But now she does have a secret, a secret uh, a weapon against the army uh, of zombies, which is drain cleaner. So she decides that instead of getting a whole bunch of drain cleaner, which actually I would think would be really easy, that she's instead going to get a lot of battery acid, which is basically the same thing. Okay. So she says that she's going to take two soldiers and go to the motor pool. And then they're going to ask a soldier where the battery acid is. Because apparently at army motor pools, they just have big jars of battery acid laying around. Well, I mean, duh. Look, listeners of this show, (laughs) I don't know if that sounds crazy or not. To me, it does. To me, it sounds fucking batshit. I have no idea if that's Battery acid just... So... I feel like I should have asked around before. I have a lot of friends who are like ex-military. Like, I really should have asked around if this is like a thing. So they go to the motor pool and some guy is just there. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And he's like, uh, and they're, they're, they basically point their gun and be like, show us where the battery acid is. He's like, it's there, but be careful. That stuff will melt the meat off your bones. And she says, that's exactly what we want. And then we have a five minute sequence of them slowly filling fire extinguishers with battery acid. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, this is so weird to stop the movie for this. You think they would have just said, yeah, drain cleaner. That's what stops them. Let's just go get as much drain cleaner. And then you don't even need to show it. Just someone come back with a whole bunch of drain cleaner. Right. Anyway, remember Sheila and Kevin, our, uh, our uh, hitchhiking friend? Ah, yes. Person, back, back to the weird sex scene. They're fucking in an old mental patient's bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're doing at this point. They're fucking. And they're going at it, Mo. They're having a good time. I gotta say, uh, tell me, what does Sheila look like? <laughs> There's a couple of moments during this scene where, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, are they actually fucking? Because honestly, it's like, more intense than one might expect for a low budget zombie movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's she's topless, and they are fucking hard. Yeah, they're um, they're fucking pretty good. Yeah, and Sheila, I have to say, Sheila, attractive woman. Kevin, attractive guy. Yeah, this is this is the kind of fucking I don't mind watching for an extended period in the middle of this, or I should say, three quarters of the way through the <laughs> So while that's going on, and obviously they are not listening to anything outside of this room, we see some zombies walking down a hall. They get squirted with battery acid, and they are very upset. Um, they start to melt. It's very gross. It's actually pretty terrific. There's a great um, shot of like a close up of one of their faces melting. That's like fucking yes. cool looking. Yeah, it's very very cool. And this has <laughs> another really silly song playing in the background. The female soldier. She says that it worked again. I call her the female soldier, folks. I don't mean to be like shitty about it. She's never given a name, as far as I can tell. Yeah. She tells the other soldiers to join them to melt all the zombies. Uh, we see more. Uh, zombies getting squirted. Anyway, lots of melty zombies. It's working is the main point. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's cool, but super fucking repetitive. Yeah. Well, like that's that female, uh, the lethal lady (laughs) who had her eyeballs poked out. She shows up in zombie form at one point. They squirt her. She melts. Um, we see some zombies eating intestines out of a bedpan, which I think is pretty great. Soldiers <laughs> burst in, squirt them with battery acid. I mean, we get it at this point. The zombies, th- they can be melted by battery acid. That's the important thing. It's the important thing. Then, and this is super important, 
we see soldiers wandering down a hall with the battery acid in their uh, in their um, extinguishers. They find a toy soldier on the ground. They're like, this must be it. They figured out, because in the files it talked about how Jim uh, played with toys, that this is the connection. They hear something, Mo. <laughs> they hear something on the other side of a door. And we know that what they're hearing is Sheila and Kevin fucking. And then this happens. Do you hear something, huh? Oh, God. Oh, I hear bells. <laughs> Mo, I'm going to need you to explain something to me. I, if you're going to ask me to explain what, oh God, your bells means, I have no fucking idea. She says, do you hear something in the halls? And he says, oh God, your bells. And then soldiers burst in and machine them, machine gun them to death. Like they get fucking blown away. By these soldiers. It's legit my favorite moment in the entire movie. Like, I, I mean, as much as I was enjoying them having sex, like, the soldiers bursting in and just opening fire on these guys who are clearly not zombies, and, <laughs> you know, and just fucking. Oh, my God. It, uh, it's so it's pretty amazing. Fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, the fact that these innocent people are murdered by the military is supposed to be, like, an allusion to the original Night of the Living Dead. But uh, in this case, I should also mention, everyone in this cast is white as hell. (laughs) This is Delaware. So it doesn't really... All it comes off is that the fucking army are incompetent as shit, and they just killed a bunch of innocent people for no reason. (laughs) So... The, the female soldier, the lethal lady, she comes in and she thinks of uh, the soldiers who just killed these these two as they were fucking. They think that they just killed Jim and Mary, the people who were in, irresponsible for all the zombies. And she says, how do you know it was them? And the, the soldier quite rightly responds, who the else? Who the hell else would be in here? Right. And she's and she finds a toy soldier and she says, oh, I guess it was them. And they all leave. And I cannot blame them. In the middle of a zombie fucking apocalypse, you don't expect people just to be fucking in a random room that you run into. Mm-hmm. So, epilogue. <laughs> we see a uh, like a colonel or something, some higher up soldier. We just see him vomiting. And uh, this is supposed to be the aftermath. All the soldiers that are left that are still alive, they've gotten together. They're all standing together. The lethal lady soldier, she's basically talking to this higher up in the military. And she says this. Sir, this shit makes the Milai massacre look like a salad bar. Yeah, she's uh, comparing, she's comparing this incident to one of the most uh, horrific things to occur in the Vietnam War. Remembering, of course, that the producer of this movie is a Vietnam veteran. So this guy, this captain, he puts the soldiers who are there at ease. He tells them that they have a choice. They can tell the truth about what happened, and they'll end up being locked up in an insane asylum like here, or they could bury this. And write the whole thing off as a training accident where 44 fucking people died. And as a result of that, they'll all get transferred to a uh, squadron in Hawaii and basically work as lifeguards instead. And they all want to go to Hawaii. The captain smiles. A great time was had by everyone who survived. <laughs> but <laughs> then there's a little trick ending. Later... I guess actually now modern day, being modern of 1991, more Mm -hmm. army vehicles arrive. 
a new general is being shown around this uh, the um, well, the insane asylum. Hold on, hold on. Oh, that's right. Please. It was so that's the right, first not. the first group who took over. They were the army. They were the army. This is the marines. This is the marines. <laughs> so a marine squad or whatever show up and and they start talking about we could put a whole marine division in here the whole facility was mothballed the army took it over in 89 but weren't here for long and they got it they got it from the army for a steal the army sold it to the marines and as they're talking we see up in the window that jim and mary are still in their mo and that was the zombie army from the year 1991 um a look as i said at the beginning the, that news story, that uh, that article from 1991 that I read, it kind of gives the impression that this isn't exactly a passion project. It is, uh, in some ways, a fairly cynical attempt to just get people to uh, to rent it and to make some money off of a cheap horror movie. But with that in mind, there's a lot of very talented people who were involved in the making of this, specifically the makeup people. This is obviously... Uh, a very much a kind of a, like a let's put on a show type deal where everyone got together with the intention of like in this like a small town making this horror movie, everyone doing their best. I would love to to know more about the making of this. It sounds like it was an absolute riot. And at the end of the day, this movie is more entertaining than probably 90% of shot on video movies of that time period. True. It's not bad. In fact, I'd go as far to say that it's good. Um, Speaking of the zombie army and um, and it being good, recently, just within the last month or so, this movie has actually gotten a uh, official re-release on VHS. Yeah, so you can get this on VHS through Phantom Pain Films. That's at phantompainfilms.com. An officially new-released uh, version of the zombie army. Pretty exciting, Mo. People can check it out right now. But what's even more important than that, Mo, is what happens in the closing credits of the zombie army? I don't know. I didn't pay attention. There's some interesting things. First is a, a piece of text that says, This production is dedicated to the brave men and women of the United States Army, the Army Reserve, and the Army National Guard. By defending our freedoms, they made this production possible. 1991, Mo, I guess the Desert Storm was just about to hit. People still liked the Army back then. Uh, we do get all the song titles in the movie. They are ridiculous. One of them is called Stinky Living. <laughs> and a bunch of them have like the words with an S in it that have been replaced by Z's. So there's one what's called You Slay Me from the Halls of Monty Zombie. Anyway, really ridiculous. And it also says that the movie was catered by Hendrix Memorial Funeral Parlor. You stab him, we slap him. <sighs> Pretty exciting. But then there's the one other thing that you don't know about this movie, Mo. Okay. It's pretty important. So apparently there was one extra scene that was originally in this movie, but the version that we watched of it does not have it. But on its original VHS release, this movie ended with a woman on top of an army vehicle, and she was announcing a contest. And the contest was the person who sends in the most continuity errors and mistakes from this movie, if you put together a list of it and you send it in, you could win that army vehicle. Ooh. And that was a contest at the time, and the idea is, is it would uh, it would push people to rent the movie over and over again so they can find all the mistakes in it so they could send them in. Though I have to say, Mo, even hearing myself say that, I get the impression that when they were watching it after they made it, they realized, oh, wait, we fucked up a whole bunch of times. Maybe we can turn this into a contest. Yeah. That sounds accurate. <laughs> I should mention, by the way, that it's not just VHS that this movie is currently available 
uh, for its re-release. You can get it on on video on demand uh, through Vimeo and things like that. All the links are on the Phantom Pain Films website. But that was, Mo, The Zombie Army from the year 1991. Uh, You said at the beginning you thought it was pretty good. How do you feel about it now? I think it was pretty good. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's a wor- I think it's a really worthwhile movie. I, Honestly, I think it's worth watching for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, in a lot of ways, it's a lot more competently made than uh, a lot of the contemporary low budget horror from that time period. I mean, it's again, it's it's not slick. It's still shot on video, but it's very much um, and it's and the acting is absolutely horrible. I mean, it, it makes more sense now that we know from that article that they were all basically drama 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 students drama (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) (sighs) yes they were all drama students from the local high school uh so that probably explains why their acting talent isn't uh, very polished but i think overall it's a very very watchable movie this is the kind of movie that if someone was getting into shot on video cinema this would probably be a pretty good one to start with because it 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 has a very decent pace to it. It's easy to kind of watch in the background. I don't know, For, man. I, I believe I believe the the phrase I used when talking to you about this is that this movie suffers from a act one slump. You know, like it is a slow it, starter for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a very slow starter. So I wouldn't say this is a good one to start with. I'd say this is like a good round two. You, I, I, I think you're right. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. It's probably one that's a little shorter and punchier. Hey, look, not everyone can start with Holy Moly, which is what I usually would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would say if if there if if there were people out there who were interested in in, in uh, not necessarily shot on video, but like micro budget like zombie sure. films. I, I would suggest stuff. I mean, obviously, plug a zombie. That's always going to be my my first recommendation. Sure. Um, or like um, Necropolis, you know, Necroville. That's the movie I'm thinking of. Not Necropolis. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff stuff like that where it's you know with where the 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 humor is way more apparent and funnier. You know, and, and the and the zombie effects are, are more interesting or or ridiculous. And, and I mean, both of those movies are a lot more modern too, and had the advantage of sure. more modern equipment to be to to make them. Right. I think in this case, you know, considering this era, say the late eighties, early nineties, uh, I would the pickings I, are a little more slick. Yeah, then even then, I would still suggest like something Todd Sheets. Then. Yeah, of course you would, yeah. Mo. Of course, I know where your head is at. Yeah, but be. Well, I mean, I, I guess if I really had to recommend one, I'd say start with The Dead Next Door and particularly start with the ultimate edition of that that has a commentary for you. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shame. Hey, you got to get those plugs in. Speaking of plugs, Mo, uh-huh. what are we going to watch on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast? I legitimately already forgot what you said. It's okay, Mo. So uh, let me just give a quick backstory, which is that one month ago, I was in Toronto for the all-night Mind Melter movie marathon at the Grand Girard Theater. Uh, And this was put on by a friend of the show, Justin DeClue. And one of the movies, he actually showed a few shot-on-video movies, including the Polonia Brothers Splatter Farm, which is the one we're eventually going to cover on this show. Mm. But one of the movies he showed was a movie from 2010, called Rise of the Animals. And the plot of this, it's probably familiar for from some other movies, is basically some sort of incident occurs on the planet Earth and all the animals on Earth start attacking humans. And 
in this particular movie's case, since it's made for almost no money, that is accomplished through very low-budget CG, lots of puppet work, and lots and lots of gore. And I have to say, it might have been because I had been awake for, at that point, about 20 hours, but this movie absolutely killed, and I want to celebrate it. And what better way to celebrate it than have it be featured on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, Rise of the Animals from the year 2010. And... Even better, you can watch this movie for free legally on YouTube right now. I'll put that on. Uh, I'll put that link over on our Facebook group. Mo, how can people find that? Well, I mean, if they want to go onto the whole Facebook thing, I mean, just go right up onto the Facebook thing, and uh, I don't know why I keep talking like that. <laughs> uh, go, to, go over to uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares or obviously just do a search for no budget nightmares and you can of course follow us on twitter at no budget podcast all one word you can uh, follow mo on twitter as well at drunk on vhs he's there all the time there to answer your questions i have literally Uh, not been on twitter in months (laughs) well you can always follow mo on facebook he will of course follow you back as he does everybody I also cannot remember the last time I actually accepted a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. Somehow I am still there. That's at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, this Mo, this recording is the first time I recorded a podcast in many weeks. It's been a very, very long time. However, in the very near future, uh, I will be starting a new podcast project called Cinema Smorgasbord. You can find that on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. There'll be a lot more information coming out uh, soon about that as well. Uh, and uh, there's also The Flight Stuff, my podcast about the Alpha Flight, uh, which is a Canadian superhero team uh, comic book team from the 1980s. You can find that at Cinepunks.com. Uh, it's called the flight stuff. You're it's such a really, such like, a fucking nerd. <laughs> it is. It is pretty much the nerdiest thing that someone could possibly do. Not not just like a podcast about a comic book superhero team, but a Canadian superhero. Yeah, of course, team. of course. But you can check that out as well. Mo, what else have you been up to lately? Ugh. Not, oh not not much. I mean, you know, change jobs. I'm not going to talk about that, but um, <laughs> you know. I'm but just it's ha- a good change. Yeah, it's a good change. I'm just happy I'm making more money so I can feel like a, an, a fairly accomplished human being. I miss the days when you were mopping up jizz. <laughs> we used to talk about that on a, yeah. on a regular basis. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I miss the stories from, from that place, man. Like, oh, my God, the stuff that used to happen there but um, and probably still does. Uh, apparently, my sister was friends with the guy who took over uh, my position there, uh, right. which is probably poor phrasing considering what <laughs> where it was. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was that he, position on his knees. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, no, I'm I'm very much a top. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he apparently ended up getting himself fired for starting a fight with one of the patrons. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Wait, what, what a time to be alive. Yeah. What, what a, way to go, buddy. Way to go. Um, you know, it's like, here's the thing. Like if, if you know you're getting a, if you know you're taking a job working overnights in a predominantly gay male, you know, adult video store, you can't take it. Like you can't get that offended when they hit on you. 
from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like, like well, I mean, like the way I would deal with it is, is I would always just say, that's a great way to get yourself banned. And the second they hear the word banned, they're like, okay, I'm going to back off now because, you know, that's literally the last thing any of them wants. But um, that's neither here nor there. Just a, <laughs> a, a, a funny little thing I happen to, to, to remember. A little side note. A little side uh, note. Usually, Mo, I would ask you if you've seen any movies lately. If you want to quickly say what those might be, that's perfectly fine. But I do want to wrap up because I know we're both uh, running a little late here today. Yeah, I am. I am watch shit. <laughs> uh, honestly, like my, my life, has been, my life has been so chaotic and busy and and crazy that like I haven't really had much time. I mean, there's probably something I've watched, but <laughs> fuck. I mean, I, I started up a. Uh, a Disney Plus account, just like everybody else in the world apparently did, and I watched. You watched the Mandalorian. I watched. Yet, I watched the Mandalorian. I really enjoyed it. I'm very interested in seeing where they go with it. But you know, aside from that, you know, I haven't been watching that much of anything. I've been watching some MGM musicals on the Criterion Channel, which is, in terms of watching movies, going from the Zombie Army to <laughs> to some of these MGM musicals is quite a difference. If you want to keep up on what I am watching and what I think of it, you can check me out on Letterboxd if you do a search for Doug Tilly on there as well. I usually keep that pretty updated. You know, I get emails daily from people who are now following me on Letterboxd, and I have not updated that account <laughs> in probably five years you gotta give the people what they want mo give them what i'm not watching anything (laughs) (laughs) by what they want mo i mean more episodes of the no budget nightmares podcast we're gonna be back really soon i don't think anything's gonna stop that from happening (laughs) and when we return we're gonna be covering 2010's rise of the animals now let's have a little listen to the full lethal lady song from the movie The Zombie Army from 1991. Good night, everybody. Good night.